That's a familiar song, a familiar cue to the great Doc Emmerich on WGN. I'm Steve Dale. Doc, how are you? Steve, I'm great. And eight hours ago on WGN, I learned that no pet telesessions unless it's with a vet who's been hands-on with the pet before. (laughs) You can't go to strange telesession veterinarians. You know, I was talking to Dr. Gail Golub about that. You can hear that conversation at WGNRadio.com. That was the pet show I did this morning. And, Doc, it is through pets that we met. I would love it if you told the story. Well, it was on Michigan Avenue at the the studios in uh, Tribune Tower. uh, And it was... Um, I was there uh, just before you came in bringing uh, an adoptable pet. And uh, then I learned later on that the adoptable pet did what excitable adoptable pets do sometimes. And uh, there were no, uh, there was no ability, correct me if I'm wrong, there's no ability to open windows uh, there at the studio in Michigan Avenue. And so there had to be uh, quite a cleanup and, uh, and and so I thought, you know what, this adoptable pet, uh, we don't we don't want there to be a scar on the rear fender of this car, and people don't want it. Uh, so that this is what dogs do, and uh, it shouldn't tarnish the image of this dog. It needs to be adopted. And so uh, I called you, and you happened to be there with the woman who brought the dog in to be shown, and hopefully that dog had a home very shortly thereafter. Well, because of you, and you're missing some of the details here, one of those details... I don't believe that dog had gone to the bathroom for three weeks. So the pile (laughs) was rather three feet high, I think, at least. And I ran across the street to Walgreens and got everything I could. Candles, Lysol, this spray, that spray, and did the best I could to clean up. That took 20 minutes. I wasn't aware who was on the air following me. It turned out to be you. When I finally cleaned everything up, I'm walking down the street, my phone rings, and a man says, Hi, I'm Doc Emmerich. And I thought, yeah, right, sure, Doc Emmerich's not calling me. But then, sir, you do have a recognizable voice and a certain tone of your... And I knew, oh my gosh, it was either the best impersonation ever or this is Doc Emmerich. And what you did is you paid for the adoption of that dog and you paid for South Suburban Humane, that was the shelter, for the adoption down the road of many other dogs. And I will say, because you never talk about this stuff, where you live, you pay locally for veterinary care for people that cannot afford it. You do this routinely. So, Doc Emmerich, this just demonstrates what kind of guy you are. And you are. Well, that's so kind of you, Steve. Anyone can do this, uh, and and you're aware, I think, too, uh, of many veterinarians who quietly have a fund that um, that some of their um, clients can contribute to, and you know they may not they may not advertise this, but they keep it for uh, cases where there are just people that need desperately. Um, care for an animal, and they, they just can't afford it. There was one situation we had out in Michigan that I remember mentioning to you. Um, it was a homeless person mm. from about 50 miles away 
that had a dog that was really in bad shape. And you, we all have ties to our animals and emotional ties, but can you imagine a homeless person that is with their animal 24 hours a day and how important that is? And then the desperation when that animal is sick and they can't take care of them, at least not financially, and then to learn that there is someone who can. And this is all done anonymously, and, and of course it's, uh, the veterinarian takes care of this anonymously, and they discount this as much as they possibly can before they dip into the emergency fund. But he said, I don't know who did this for me, but can I write a letter that you can send? And it was a very thankful, passionate letter, and it, it just makes persons like my wife and myself who, as I said, do this anonymously, and anyone can do this, uh, it makes us feel really good that the reward this this man got in the health of its dog, uh, his dog back uh, was taken care of. So these are all things that are very rewarding for us to do. But uh, anyone who wants to do that sort of thing can at least speak with their vet about it. Maybe they have something like that that they do quietly within their own veterinarian uh, veterinarian's care. Well, before we talk about hockey, which I promise we'll do in just one second, I have regards for you. Oh, on Chelios Day, of course. Yes, yes. Uh, I have regards for you from from Wendy Snyder, who said, be sure to tell uh, Doc Emmerich I love him. Uh, But, you know, I think that uh, she is speaking for most any hockey fan anywhere. And I've never asked you about this. When I was a kid, I'd listen to Lloyd Pettit, and uh, I thought, oh, my gosh, I want to be, when I was young, I really did want to be a hockey announcer uh, to do play-by-play. And Lloyd Pettit was the guy. Uh, and and on WGN Radio, we've been blessed with people like Pat Foley and Eddie Olchek, who are superb, supreme, the best at what they do. I wonder who your inspiration was to become a hockey announcer. Well, it was a, a man in Fort Wayne on a 50,000-watt station as well uh, named Bob Chase. Now, I will say that while I was writing my master's thesis at Miami of Ohio, I listened to, uh, I, as I was typing it up, uh, because this station that we're on right now carries all over the country. At uh-huh. night. I listened to Lloyd Pettit calling Blackhawks games often, uh, but... Uh, Bob Chase in Fort Wayne was on a 50,000-watt station broadcasting the team that I still cheer for, the Fort Wayne Comets, because I grew up about 40 miles away from there. The Comets are in a league called the ECHL. It is the AA league in the United States, and they've been there for 62 years. And I got to know Bob, and he was very helpful to me in my career, and you you never forget that. But Lloyd was magnificent, and he um, after he had finished broadcasting Blackhawks, He and his wife lived in Milwaukee. He was very active with the Milwaukee Admirals in the old IHL. And I got to meet Lloyd and listen to him and uh, just ask him stories about those days of broadcasting Bobby Hall and Stan Makita on WGN and having such a great time doing it. Indeed. Uh, So I am curious as to what you, when you hear a broadcaster do a hockey game, uh, by the way, our phone number, 312-981-7200. I should not be the only one asking the great Doc Emmerich questions. You are welcome to text your questions. And I will talk in just a bit about the NHL today, the upcoming outdoor games, and, and much more. 
Uh, but when you hear a broadcaster t- today who maybe you haven't heard before, I'm not looking for names necessarily. What makes someone really good stand out as a play-by-play hockey broadcaster? Well, it's, um, you know, Bob Chase told me this when I was first learning from him. Uh, he always argued that hockey was the easiest game to do, especially on radio, because it's continuous action, and you don't have to stop, like in football, for players to unpile. You don't have that interminable uh, wait through timeouts like you do late in a basketball game. You don't have that time between pitches as you do in baseball, because it's continuous action, and when you stop, your analyst helps out, or you go to commercial. And in a way, he's right. And basically, our main chore is to identify players, especially on radio. Um, I listen to a lot of uh, a demo. Uh, uh, now it's not tape anymore. Now it's emails from prospective broadcasters. And I'm very impressed with the quality that I get to listen to. Uh, my main concern, especially with radio, is time and score. Uh, Do I know how much time is left in the period? Do I know what the score is? Do I know how much time is left in a penalty? Uh, Do I know where the puck is? And do I know who has it? And recognizing, too, that I don't know the rosters of two teams that well, unless maybe they're NHL teams, do you occasionally mention the name of the team along with the name of the player? That's a lot to get in, but... Um, the best guys do it. And you have one of them right there on the station in John Whiteman, who's been all yes. over. I enjoy listening to uh, another familiar last name to Chicago listeners, Surratt. Judd does a wonderful job in Boston. And there are several others across the country that are that are fun listens. Uh, one of the guys is in, in Chicago today, I think, in, in Ken Cal, who for 29 years straight has done the... Uh, uh, Detroit Red Wings, too. But wasn't it fun to hear Pat Foley and Eddie Olchek on this station last weekend doing an outdoor game? By the way, Pat is emceeing Chelios Day at United Center, and I know Eddie is going to be in attendance today because he and Chelios are buddies going way back. So it's a throwback day, um, even though Connor Bedard is going to be in the lineup, and he's fun to talk about going to be a throwback day with a lot of uh, memories from times past on a guy that's in three halls of fame the one in toronto the u.s hockey hall of fame and the international ice hockey hall of fame he's wow. done it all Chelios. yeah i didn't know about three halls of fame i know this just after the two o'clock news kevin powell and joe brand will be here with the pregame celebrating chris Chelios and the chicago blackhawks and much more right now by the way at 147. The score is Doc Emmerich 3, Steve Dale 0. We'll be right back. He is the great Doc Emmerich on WGN at the moment. I'm Steve Dale, and he's a friend, and he's an amazing guy. And I need to tell you about this and ask you about this. I was just in Las Vegas, Doc, for a veterinary meeting and got away one night. We went to see a hockey game, and going to see the Golden Knights is really interesting because I'm not sure whether... I was there to see a hockey game and a Las Vegas show, or it was a Las Vegas show with a hockey game in between all of it. It is really a unique experience to go there. Did you get there in time for the pregame show? Yes, yes. (laughs) It's spectacular, isn't it? 
It's, it's, yes, that's my point. It's crazy. And what Seattle as well has done with the Kraken, uh, they've been successful, haven't they? Yes. Yes. They, uh, they have not only have they been successful, but, uh, they have been, uh, financially successful too. Um, you know, a lot of teams when they get started, they feel a need to, um, uh, there's an old expression, paper the house and, and distribute a lot of tickets around. They don't have to do that. They have a, a, a natural feeling in that area that, uh, that is very enthusiastic for their team, and it was, it was rewarded last year. And they have just done a wonderful job of promoting hockey in the community, and the ticket sales reflect that, and I emphasize sales. They sell tickets, and they do a very good job of it. No, it's it's exciting to see all of this. And, you know, you and I go back to the day of only six teams. Now there are 32, and there's talk of expansion up to maybe 36 by the end of this decade. So uh, the sport is very much alive and very much prospering, very diverse. And all of those kinds of things in developing programs, uh, youth programs, and when the youth play it, the parents get interested and eventually it develops into something much better. You know what, though? Uh, I will do anything to see one of the so-called original six. And this is a very sad year, in a way, for one of two of the original six, the Chicago Blackhawks, the fewest points in the National Hockey League. The Canadians aren't far behind among the least points. And incidentally, they may have the least goals. Toronto Maple Leafs are doing particularly well. It's about time for them uh, to do well. So the question that I have via text it seems everyone wants to know this, including me. Who does Doc Emmerich think will win the Stanley Cup? I feel uh, very strongly ten ways. Uh, we've never been more evenly balanced than we are this year. Now that sounds like a duck, so here we go. Um, the Rangers and Original Six are currently on a ten-game winning streak. The Leafs, Original Six, are on a seven-game winning streak right now. Boston began the season with one regulation win in 17. Detroit looks like, as of today, they are the number one wild card in the East. That's a hard thing to hold. And uh, they are, I believe, six points in the playoffs today. And that includes a lot of metropolitan teams that are usually pretty good and pretty usually in the playoffs, like Pittsburgh and Washington and New Jersey. And they're not in right now. So, um, that's why uh, the original six you talked about, uh, other than the two that you mentioned, Chicago and uh, um, Montreal, Montreal are, are not looking badly. But you're, you're looking also at an Edmonton team that had a 16-game winning streak. And there is a lot of equality around the league. And so, as Los Angeles proved 12 years ago, all you got to do is make the cut. The regular season is there to entertain hockey fans, and then we get down from 32 to 16, and anybody's got a shot. Um, I, I like Boston a lot because they tend to be a very good defensive team. As of today, they're fifth in the league in defense. But the one team that I really enjoy watching is Florida hmm. because they're second in the league in team defense. And they're second in the league in penalties. <laughs> they don't fool around. They like to stand around and shove after the whistle. 
They don't mind hitting you. They don't mind dropping the gloves. And so in the old days, we used to chide everybody about Philadelphia Flyers being a dirty team. Well, the standard of that kind of thing is not as high anymore. It's different now. But Florida is a team that is amusing to watch. Well, a good defense... And they got to the final last year. Yes. But they they were just too broken up. Well, a good defense always in the end, defeat the stronger offense in the playoffs? Not always. Not always. But it's a, it's a good, you know, I don't, I don't gamble on any of these things, and I know that seems to be a lot of, a lot of what happens now. But, no, a good defense helps you a lot. Uh, but is it a rule? It's, it's an old cliche in hockey defense and goaltending wins. But um, it it sometimes is not. Uh, the Devils teams used to win on defense and scoring. They mm-hmm. were number two in scoring when they won in 2000. But everybody thought that they were a slow-down team. But uh, it, it's not always the case, but it tends to be the rule. What about the... So out- if you want to know the defensive teams today, the top five are Winnipeg, Florida, L.A., Pittsburgh, not in the playoffs, and Boston. Pittsburgh not in the playoffs, so I guess that makes your point. You never do know, right? You don't know. You don't know. That's uh, that's one of the good things about it. It's uh, uh, gee, this will this will annoy Eddie Olchek because uh, he he and I were always amused to watch All Star Wrestling when we were kids. It's not premeditated like wrestling. It's all spontaneous. Of course. Uh, we only have two minutes here or so. Okay. Outdoor game. Uh, uh, no. <laughs> yes, any time. But right now, I want to ask you about the outdoor okay. outdoor games. I mean, uh, it's happening again next year at Wrigley Field for the Chicago Blackhawks. I think the first one was at Wrigley Field. Uh, what are they, are they great for the sport? What do you think? Oh, yes. Everybody wants one. And uh, at Wrigley Field was one of the first. We had Fenway. We had Ralph Wilson Stadium in Buffalo, which was the first in the U.S. Um, the first, the first uh, Winter Classic. The first, the, the the actual first was in a parking lot in Vegas in '91, <laughs> and uh, it was it, it had it was L.A. and uh, it was L.A. and uh, oh, I think it was the New York Range. Anyway, Wayne Gretzky played in it, and they had grasshoppers at the bench. Uh, they had locusts. I mean, it was crazy. It was a preseason game, uh, September, I think. So that's the one that's easy to overlook. But the first one uh, in the uh, United States that was played, you know, in the winter was was in um, in Buffalo, and that was with Pittsburgh. And and then we started some of the great old stadiums. And so the Winter Classic will go to Wrigley for the second time. St. Yeah. Louis will be there, and then at Ohio Stadium. Uh, the uh, the locals in Columbus will get their first chance to play in an outdoor game. The Blue Jackets will be hosting Detroit. And so all of those folks in Ohio that love it when Michigan license plates are in their parking lot uh, will get some more Michigan license plates in their parking lot on March the 1st are we next e- year. Are we ever going to see Doc Emmer call another game, or you are done with that part of it no no that ship sailed but i sure love watching games and um eddie has invited me to come down and throw on a headset and not call a game but just kind of sit in 
uh, for one of the Turner games. So I may do that, but uh, no, play-by-play, that that belongs to other people now. But I sure have a lot of wonderful memories, and I think a lot of the memories are going to be rekindled uh, by getting a chance to see Chelios Day and Indeed. Pat Foley on the ice and a lot of those great old Hawks that I'm sure they're going to bring back and see a lot of the Red Wings there, yep. too. Well, I am sure that we appreciate you so very much. I know I do and consider you a friend. Thank you for jumping on with us. Oh, it's been a lot of fun, and thank you for all you do for the creatures that mean so much to us. And one bit of trivia, all during his career, two years, maybe more, I think it was two years at Wisconsin, and 26 years in the NHL, Chris Chelios wore the same old shoulder pads. And the equipment guys kept sewing them together and doctoring them up. And it was one set that he got at Wisconsin, and he liked them so much that he wore them through his whole career. And they were pretty ratty by the time time he retired. Well, this is the perfect lead-in for Kevin Powell, Joe Brand, coming up after the Northwestern Medicine News at 2 o'clock.